We want to talk about sunshine. We have Ray with us. He's always a ray of, a ray of sunshine. <laughs> always. And I love when he's with us. And uh, thank you, Ray, for thank being you. with us today. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm a ray of sunshine, but I'm a ray of a different sort for sure. It's good to be with you here this morning. I uh, was hoping to be with you earlier this year and uh, in September, but as you, many of you know, some unfortunate circumstances in our family's lives, and uh, I was unable to be with you, but I'm so delighted to be with you today. And I hope I can share something from God's Word with you today that will bless your heart and encourage your heart. I think it's going to be sunny. I think the forecast for the rest of the week is going to be beautiful, right? Don't despair. Even if November is here, you know, beautiful fall weather isn't over. Uh, if, if you don't mind, I'd just like to take a moment to pray. Can I do that? Father in heaven, as we sang that song, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. That struck a chord in my heart, oh, Father. You know how much I need you every day and every hour. And now, oh, Father, as I share with your people your word, I pray, oh, Father, that your Holy Spirit would open all of our hearts and our minds and that we might be, oh, Father, changed, drawn closer to you. By it in your name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Today, I'd like to talk to you about one of God's greatest gifts to you. And that is the gift of your mind, your brain. It's what separates us and really uh, causes us to be so much different than all the other animals on the earth that God created. We were made in God's image, and part of what it means to be made in the image of God is to have a mind, to have the ability to think in a way that many other creatures on the earth cannot think. And as I was thinking about our brain, I, I thought I'd look up some very interesting facts about our brains. Our brains are made up of billions of neurons, and they communicate through trillions of connections. 60% of the human brain, believe it or not, this is facts from not, not just off the cuff, but from uh, a reputable medical website that uh, I found, 60% of the human brain is made up of fat. That makes it the fattiest organ in the human body. Isn't that interesting? So you are a fathead, whether you know it or not, right? These fatty acids are crucial to your brain's performance. Your brain isn't fully formed until you reach the age of 25. Anybody under the age of 25 here this morning? Oh, we got some. Your brain is not yet fully formed, right? <laughs> That's your excuse now. It's interesting. Your brain develops from the back 
to the front. And the frontal lobes are the lobes which control planning and reasoning. And are, they're the last of the structures in the brain uh, to, to fully form. Now, this is very interesting. Your brain's storage capacity is considered virtually unlimited. How many gigabytes do you have on your phone? Right? I've got 32 gigs on my phone, which is, you know, back in the day when we first started out with computers was just unheard of because back then it was kilobytes and then it became megabytes and now we're into gigabytes and now we have gigabytes at our disposal right in our hand on our phone. That's amazing. But your brain has virtually unlimited storage capacity. You may not think so when you think about the things that you forget every day. But research suggests that the human brain consists of about 86 billion neurons. And each neuron forms connections to other neurons, which add up to, get this, one quadrillion which is 1,000 trillion connections. That's a lot of connections. That's a lot of chips that would, they, they have not yet come up with a computer that can match the ability of your brain, the connections that are formed in your brain. And over time, these neurons, they combine, they can combine, believe it or not, and they can combine to increase storage capacity. You can actually grow your memory in your brain. It's amazing. Brain information travels, you know what, at up to an impressive 268 miles per hour. And just think about that. It's, it's not that long a distance, really, from one side of your brain to the other. But when you're going 260 miles per hour, that is impressive. And when a neuron is stimulated, it generates an electric impulse that travels from cell to cell. When those are disrupted, that's when we have problems like epileptic seizures. It is a myth that you only use 10% of your brain. You actually use all of it. Yes, even when you are sleeping, because of what we have now with the uh, MRIs and the ability to do live MRI scanning, we know now that even in your sleep, your brain is fully active. It's always working. It's always going. Now, sleep puts it into a different state, but that's, that's another story altogether. The human brain weighs about three pounds, which is about, you know, one of those two-liter bags of milk, right? And, uh, however, studies indicate that size does not imply intelligence. So you can have a little brain and be very, very smart. You can have a big brain and be very, very dumb. Anyway. <laughs> but what's amazing, I, I don't have a grain of sand here, but you know, right, we live on the shore of Lake Huron, how tiny a grain of sand is. A grain of sand contains, some, uh, or a piece of brain matter the size of a grain of sand 
contains 100,000 neurons. And that 100,000 neurons would make 1 billion synapses, which is really where all the action takes place in your brain. Is that not amazing? Are we not fearfully and wonderfully made? God has made us, and we are truly, truly wonderfully made. And that's why I believe God talks a lot about our brain, our mind, our thinking. And many of you probably heard the saying before, there's a lot of stinking thinking in our world. And a lot of the problems that we have in life, a lot of the issues can be traced to stinking thinking. And as a result, we need a checkup from the neck up. The Bible has a lot to say about how we use our brains and how we think. And it is a key, the Bible says, to our being transformed and becoming the people who reach the full potential that God has created us for, that we might become his ambassadors on earth. In order to be transformed by renewing our mind, we probably, most of us, have heard that scripture many times from Romans chapter 12. To be transformed by the renewing of our mind, we have to understand, though, a little bit of the dynamics and what the Bible teaches about the dynamics of our brains and how to think. And I apologize. I, after reading this over again this morning as I was preparing, I thought, gee, it's too bad that I didn't bring you an outline for you to follow along. I'll say this, or even, even a slide so that you can see, because I'm going to throw at you a, a, a little bit of information, and it's going to be a little information dense. So it's going to be, um, um, if you have a pen, you can write some, some of this down. But if you want to uh, be lazy, that's okay, because you can just email me, and I'll send you my outline, all right? I'll send you an outline of my message so that you can have it for future reference, because I believe this is so, so important. It's one thing to say, yes, to be renewed or, or transformed by the renewing of mind. But if we don't even understand the biblical theology and understand what God teaches about how our minds work, then we're really going to be in trouble. And we're not going to understand the dynamics. And our modern culture, our modern society has really so many teachings about how our minds work. You can get lost. Are there biblical truths? Are there firm truths that we can turn to, that the Bible teaches, that God reveals to us in his word about how our minds work that may help us? I believe there are. And I'm going to share with you six of them. Normally, I have a three-point message, so this message is going to be twice as long. No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm not going to do that to you. I'll try to keep it brief and concise. But I'm going to share you six, six things about your mind that the Bible teaches. The first point, my thoughts control my life, but I can control my thoughts. My thoughts control my life, but I can control my thoughts. 
Proverbs 4.23. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. In the today's uh, English version of the Bible, it says your life is shaped by your thoughts. You know what the Bible is saying there? Your thoughts have a huge impact. What you are thinking has a huge impact upon the patterns that you establish in your life and therefore the character that develops in your life. And so a huge thing, as we just said, if our thinking is stinking, if we are people who don't think well, then we are not going to turn out so well. And what the Bible is saying to us, and, and, and in some versions of this, uh, it says, guard your heart, right? For out of it flow the issues of life. Well, when we hear that in modern uh, language, we think the heart, well, that's the seat of the emotions. So we got to guard our emotions. But that's not what that means in the ancient text. It's really speaking about your mind. It's really speaking about the very center of your being and the thoughts that go on there. And so what the Bible is really telling us here is you're being told to think about what you think about. Is that confusing? You're being told by the Bible to, to take thought to what you think about. What do you think about? What does your mind dwell upon? Where does it go when and if you have a quiet moment? And let me say that for many of us, I totally understand this. I get this. We live in a world where the media is ever-present. It's right there in our hand. We live in a world where information is flowing at a rate that, that you can never keep up with all the memes and all the things that are going around and, and, and never really... It's almost... It's very difficult in our modern culture to stop slow and allow yourself to say, Hey, God, what am I thinking here? Just say to yourself, what am I thinking? The Bible encourages us to take inventory of what we're thinking. Think about what you're thinking about and ask, your que ask a question of yourself. Do I really want to think about this now? Do I really want to go down this path? where this string of thoughts is going to take me. We live at a time where we've never had so much choice in what we can watch, in what we can listen to, and what we can text. What we need to do is be more intentional about what gets our attention. I mean, it's a wonderful world that we live in. Just think about it. You and I, we can listen to, via the internet, the best Bible teachers in the world. They're all out there for you to listen to. 
But the danger is, of course, all this other garbage is out there as well. And there's all kinds of stuff that's out there that is very tempting to our human nature. So we are told, ask ourselves, what are we thinking about? Because your life, your thoughts control your life, but you can control your thoughts. Let me go on a little more explanation as we go through the points. Point number two, any change I want in my life must start in my mind. It must start in my mind. Listen to what Romans says. I already quoted this. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your what? Heart? No, your mind. God wants to change you by changing the way you think. The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said these profound words, and I'm quoting it from the message version. I read all kinds of versions of the Bible, just so you know. Often uh, have them laid out on my computer simultaneously, just so that I can compare. But I just love doing that because it helps you understand what the reality, what the truth is trying to be communicated in those verses. But here's one from Matthew 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Blessed are the pure in heart. When you begin to allow God by his Holy Spirit to work on your inside life, your thought life, and we'll get to this in a moment because most of us, when we think about discipleship, when we think about uh, what God wants from us, we think of behavior, but that is the very last thing. That's the result really of what God has already begun and what God has already been doing on the inside. He wants to transform you by the renewing of your mind. He wants to get you, help you to get your inside world put right. And when your inside world is put right, then the behavior follows. But when your inside world is put right, you begin to see life. You begin to see your world differently. There's a saying, two men look through prison bars one saw mud, the other stars. They saw the same thing. They focused in different places. Third, I can change how I feel by changing how I think. David, the great king of Israel, in the Psalms wrote, my heart is breaking, so I turn my thoughts to God. I love this verse. If you want to memorize a verse, here's a verse to memorize. It comes from Jonah. We all know the story of Jonah and how he rebelled against God. God wanted him to go to the Ninevites. 
He did not want to go to the Ninevites because he hated them. And he also believed that God just might be merciful to him, to them, and he did not want to see that happen. Talk about a reluctant prophet. And we know the story. He went the opposite direction, and he ended up being tossed into the sea and into the belly of a fish. And in the belly of the fish, Jonah says this, when I'd lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. That's a great verse. When I'd lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. What the Bible lays out for us, for me to just kind of summarize it a little bit, is it lays out a progression that happens. We have thinking, and our thinking leads to feelings. So when you have a feeling, when you feel a certain way, the question you need to ask yourself is, why am I feeling like this? What am I thinking that leads to this feeling? If you're feeling deeply sad, what am I thinking that leads to this feeling? And you know what? It isn't wrong to be sad. There's times and seasons in life to be sad. If you aren't sad, then something's wrong with you. There's a time to be angry. There's a time to be joyful. There's a time to be all of these things. Anyway, thinking leads to feeling, and then feeling leads to actions. Then we act. It's important for us to understand that progression and to understand that if we want to change our behavior, we need to begin by changing our thinking. And it's sort of like, I, I liken it to, I don't know how many of you have ever been out sailing on Lake Huron or uh, out in a boat on Lake Huron. Um, if, you, if you sail frequently uh, or if you go out in a larger boat, you always have to have an autopilot. An autopilot is an amazing thing because you set the course and that that boat will, it's, it's so amazing to watch how the autopilot steers the boat. There's adjustments to the wheel every few, like all the time. And it keeps that course far better than any person who's on the wheel could keep that course. If a boat has its autopilot and it's set for 270 degrees, which is due west, right? And you want the boat to go 90 degrees due east, you could take the wheel and you could force that boat around. And it would. You would be able to override the autopilot. But guess what would happen the moment you let go of the wheel? It would return. And so many of us are the same way in our lives. Because we try to change, but we, we, we only deal with the superficial stuff. We only deal with the surface stuff. We never get below. We never begin to address what's going on deep within us. We never begin to examine the thoughts that we have. Why do I have this resentment? Why do I have this? What is going on? And we never get below the surface. And as a result, 
We keep doing the same things. And, and, and as soon as we, as soon as our, our effort, we can make that effort and we can change ourselves and we can turn ourselves. But the moment we relax, the moment we let go of the wheel, we go right back to where we were before. And it's so frustrating, isn't it? Because your thoughts control your life. And until you begin to allow them to be transformed, you will always be frustrated. Let me move on so that we aren't here too long. Number four, every behavior is based on a belief. Every behavior is based on a belief. Haggai 1 verse 5 says this, think carefully about your behavior. Every behavior is based on a belief. And so the great question that we all need to ask ourselves regularly is this, what am I believing right now? What am I believing when I take this action? Let me, let me share with you just, just the insanity of, of my own mind, right? Uh, when I was younger, I always liked to drive fast. Now, I think it's because, you know, those neurons are going 268 miles per hour. So I, I got to get going 268 miles per hour too, right? But I used to have this, this thing that went on in my mind. And I had a problem. I always wanted to go faster, and I always wanted to beat the time. And, and, and it was tremendously stressful for my family as well. I, 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 this is truly, I confess this as a true regret. And I realized every time that we went on a trip, and usually it was a repeated trip, so we would be coming from Manitowoc to Kincardine, or we would be going from Kincardine to Toronto, or, you know, there'd be specific destinations. And my mind worked like this. I would have certain waypoints in my mind. And I would know from memory how many minutes it took me to get to those waypoints. And I was going to beat the best I had done before, if it meant the end of me. Isn't that crazy thinking? Because every time I had to be, go a little faster and take a little more risk, and my whole family safety is at risk. Because what? I'm thinking I've got to beat my record from the last time? How foolish. How silly. How insane. I know if I'm that insane, I know many of you are insane too in many other ways. But I, I, I share that with you to say that I had this belief that I had to get there quicker. And somehow in my mind, there was some sort of reward that I would give myself for being quicker the next time around. And it's just stupid thinking. It's stinking thinking. But the truth is, there's way more things that I have stinking thinking about. Way more beliefs that I have 
that are absolutely silly. And where do they come from? I'm not even sure. But we need to understand that every action we do, every behavior that we have, we're believing something. And the question to ask yourself is, what am I believing right now? You know what it says in Proverbs? Fools believe anything, but the wise think about what they do. Did you hear that? Fools think, believe anything, but the wise think about what they do. Proverbs 14, verse 15. What are you believing right now? What are you believing? What is driving your behavior? By the way, I finally grew up and realized that I didn't need to be fast. And now, when I take a trip, I always leave extra time so that I can get there with margin. And now I have learned, and, and, and uh, I have, maybe it's a result of age, but I, I do believe it's a result of, of addressing the thinking that was going on in my mind. I've learned to enjoy taking a drive and not being in a hurry and not get upset when I get behind somebody slow, right? And be able to say, oh, well, that's okay. We're going to get there and we'll enjoy the trip and not be in a hurry everywhere I go. It's a wonderful thing. A lot less stressful for me and for everybody who's a passenger with me. <laughs> oh, my. So, we're at four, right? Now we're at five. Anytime I sin, at that moment, I'm believing a lie. Proverbs 14, again. There are many ways that we think are right, but they, what? They lead to death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the pathway leads to what? Death. Anytime I sin, at that moment, I'm believing something that's a lie, that's not true. Remember, this is how, really, sin was passed on to all of us in the human race. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and, and, the, and the serpent came to Eve, what, oh, did God really say you must not eat from that tree? And then he says, well, but you see, God doesn't want you to be like him. He's just trying to keep something good from you, right? And so he enticed Eve into eating from the fruit. And it wasn't necessarily an apple tree. The fruit of the tree, the one tree. Imagine, God gave Adam and Eve maximum freedom. There's only one thing, one tree that they couldn't eat of. And they did it. How sad. We need to be aware that when we sin, at that moment, we are believing something that is absolutely untrue. The Bible says as well, temptation comes from our own desires. This is from James. 
James 1, 14 to 15. Temptation comes from our own desires, which, which are in us, that entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, what does it do? It gives birth to death. You hear the progression there? Desires, and they may be even good desires, but there are, there are desires that get twisted and we begin to believe something that is a lie about those desires and then we're enticed by those dry desires. They drag us away and they give birth to sinful actions and when those sinful actions bear their fruit, they in the end lead to death. How many of us believe a lie? We believe lies constantly. The greatest lie that was told to Adam and Eve and continues to be told to, to throngs of people to this very day is God doesn't really care about you. And God doesn't want you to have the very best. God's keeping good things from you. Oh, come on. If you would ditch your idea of God, then we would really, truly enjoy pleasures in life, so much more. What lies we believe that lead to sin, and in the end, they lead to nothing but grief. And here is my last point for today. We'll, we'll take it up again uh, next week. I believe I'm back with you again. The sixth thing, point number six. And I'm sorry if I'm just inundating you with too much information all at once. Number six, an unseen war is going on in and for your mind. There's a war going on. I love, I love Romans chapter seven. Because Romans chapter eight is so beautiful and wonderful. But Romans chapter 7, I can relate to. Paul was a human being. And Paul writes about his battle, his struggle. He says this in Romans 7, verse 21 to 23. He says, it seems to be a fact of life that when I, when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there's something else deep within me, in my lower nature, that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. Your mind is the battleground. And how are you to wage this war? How are you to fight this battle? Many of us have battles. We have different kinds, different ones. Some of us may battle with anxiety. We have great fears that overtake us. And we have a tendency then to want to be in control. We want to control those around us. We want to try to control the circumstances of our lives. And in our modern world, there is a lot of things that we can control. So we can have an illusion that we are somehow in control of our lives. Some of us, anger is the issue. Not anxiety, but anger. We struggle with it. 
We, 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 we see a world that is, that is not the way it should be and it, it angers up our blood and, and then we become people who, who splatter all this anger throughout the world and, and what does it do? It does nothing of any consequence, nothing that is good. There's a battle within you when you want to do good, there's something else within you that doesn't want you to do good. And how do we fight the battle? Here is the beauty. This is what I want to leave you with as a kind of final wind-up, if you will. You would think if it was a battle, our job would be to get out there and fight like mad, right? Like get out there and do battle. But I want to tell you something that you will lose because you're just not strong enough. You don't have the power. You don't have the ability to win this battle. So what do you do? Here's the most wonderful thing. You win by surrendering. You win by laying down your life and saying, Lord Jesus, I can't do this, but I know you are the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And I know you came into this world and you lived among us and you were tempted just as I was tempted, yet you were without sin. And yet you went to the cross and on the cross you did battle for me that I, may have victory over sin and death and hell, the flesh, the world, and the devil. The battle's been won. It's not what you can do. It's what has been done for you. That's the message of the gospel. And when we surrender and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender myself to you, and to your power. Then we begin to win. When we are weak, he is strong. He is strong. Many of you know of my dad's passing. Uh, it's only two months ago, so it's still quite fresh in our family's uh, lives and just the tragic nature of his passing along with his, uh, his uh, my, my stepmom, uh, Rennie, who we dearly loved. And uh, I got to tell you that there was a battle in my own heart and mind. And uh, I thought, what do I do? How do I deal with this? I was going to bed at night and I could sleep for maybe an hour or two, but then I would wake up and my mind would begin to race and I'd begin to imagine, to start imagining the last minutes of my dad's life. For some of you who may not know, my dad accidentally drove into the harbor in Kinkard and he drowned along with his wife. And I was imagining all of these things and I couldn't seem to turn off my imagination, my racing mind, unless I, unless I got up and preoccupied myself with doing something else. But of course, you need sleep. And it's hard. And I think it was one of the great struggles that I've had in my life. 
And I thought, Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I, I need your help? And I realized I needed to surrender my mind to him. And you know what? A friend of mine sent me a scripture, Psalm 46. And I realized I needed to memorize Psalm 46. God is my strength and ever-present help in trouble. I needed to memorize that psalm. And I realized that I needed to memorize it so that when I woke up, I could just recite the truth. Therefore, I will not fear, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And something about that image just struck a chord deep within my soul. And I, and I would wake up, and I would begin, I would say, Lord, my mind is going again. And I would begin to just recite the scripture and begin to say it again and again and over and over again in my mind. And it was amazing. I'm not going to tell you that it was easy and that, it, you know, God just snapped his fingers and all of the sorrows and griefs went away. That's not true. That's not how it works. But how wonderful it was to know God's presence. And then to know that God was present with my dad and his wife in those last minutes. He was there. How wonderful to be able to take God's word and allow it to begin to change and align your thinking with God's thinking. That's God's desire. God doesn't want to obliterate your personality. He's created you uniquely, and he's got a unique purpose for you on the earth. But what he does want to do is take captive every thought that you have to Christ. And when that happens, we begin to feel differently, and we begin to act differently and God begins to transform us from the inside out. We don't win by effort. We win by surrender. We don't win by our power. We win by his power. Isn't that wonderful? He wants to give you his spirit. He wants to give you his power each and every day so that you can be the blessing that he made you to be wherever you are. It doesn't matter if you're a farmer or if you're a car salesman or if you're a teacher or you're a Bruce Power worker. Whatever you do, you can do for the glory of God and bring honor to his name through. You don't need to be a preacher or a pastor to do that. I want to encourage you. God is with you and he will help you. Will you allow him to? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can give you our weakness and you give us your strength. How amazing that is, oh Lord. That Lord, we can give you our sins and you give us your righteousness. Not because of what we have done, but because of what you have done through your son, Jesus Christ. 
Oh, how awesome that is, oh Lord. How blessed we are. Help us, oh Lord, to deal with our stinking thinking. Help us, oh Lord, to ask those questions. What am I thinking? Help us to ask those hard questions, oh Father, that truly we may believe the truth about you and your your goodness, oh Father, we, we have yet to begin to taste just the outer edges of how good you are. Help us, oh Lord, to experience more of it that we may, oh Father, we may be transformed by it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.